Welcome to the Auburn City Council podcast. This is a recording of a regular Auburn City Council meeting. The council meets on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Meetings begin at 7 p.m. in council chambers at 141 North Ross Street, and they are live streamed on YouTube and Facebook. We'll call to order tonight's Committee of the Whole for the Auburn City Council meeting for February the 15th, 2022. City Council should have the, uh, should have the minutes from our prior meeting. Any additions or corrections from the Committee of the Whole Minutes? Me too. I have a move to approve. Second. Motion second. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? And the minutes are carried forth. Noise mitigation discussion. I'll turn this over to Councilman Griswold. Uh, Thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor. Um, As everyone's aware, we had some instances of of noise complaints. Uh, I guess that was about three weeks ago now. And uh, so I just asked that we have a a brief discussion on uh, what we have in place so that we we know you know what a citizen should do or uh, when he has an, an issue like that uh, I've been asked why we do not have a noise ordinance and that's been explained to the council before because of some of the technical issues uh, associated with measuring decibels and whatnot just want to see if that is uh, still uh, an accurate assessment or if there are any devices out there available that would uh, make it easier for citizens and for our law enforcement um, personnel to address the noise complaints. So just a discussion, please. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. We have our police chief, Cedric Anderson, here to speak to this tonight. He's going to talk a little bit through um, what part of state code we're using to enforce um, noise concerns as of now and a little bit about where complaints have gone and, and how police handles uh, noise complaints from start to finish and what we've been doing for a long period of time. Chief Anderson. Good evening. Good evening, Chief. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so there's a, a graph up for everyone to take a look at. Uh, since 2017 through 2021, the Auburn Police Department has responded to uh, what, a little over 5,400 uh, noise complaints. And when I'm saying responded to, literally, these are not phone calls that the police department was getting. These are these are situations, incidences where the police department has actually responded, dispatched an officer to go out to a location and and look into the the source of the noise, uh, determine who is who's creating it, and then to take some some enforcement action to to make it uh, to make it stop. So. With that being said, uh, we do have a, a, a system in place. We uh, have, have used the same system uh, for a number of uh, administrations uh, since I've been here, and I've been here for 30 years. We've, we've done it the same way. What we do is once we get a complaint, the officer goes out, he, he locates the, the, the source of that noise or the, the, the person responsible for the noise and uh, makes contact with them. He gives them a warning the first time and gives them an opportunity to, to uh, bring the noise into a, uh, an acceptable range. Uh, he's, the person is told at that point, if the officer has to come back out, then we will, we will take additional action uh, which usually requires the officer to go back out and, and shut the if it's a party, shut the party down, make the, the, the noise stop at that point. Any subsequent uh, complaint or response by that officer will uh, require the officer to issue an NTC or to make an arrest for uh, disorderly conduct. Uh, 
So that is the process that has been in place. All any citizen has to do is call and an officer will respond and look into the, 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 the source of the, of the noise. Uh, when you consider 5,400 complaints, uh, I would say out of that 5,400, maybe a half a dozen are, are calls that we're aware of that did not get handled properly. That's less than 1% of 1% when you consider all the, the noise complaints we've gone on over the years. So what we do, again, we, we rely on the, the city code or the, the city ordinances. Our city ordinances, 13-1, adopts state statutes. Uh, the state statute for disorderly conduct, 13A-11-7, uh, uh, if you look at A2, it's highlighted up there. A person commits disorderly conduct if they make unreasonable noise. So to me, that is pretty straightforward. It's, it's pretty clear cut. All the, all the complainant or the officer has to do is be able to articulate what makes it unreasonable, whether it's the time of day, the, the you know, location, the, the, the language, or, or whatever that's, that's being spewed out. It could be just any range of things that's making it unreasonable and if the, the you had a question okay so that is that is what the the officers rely on when they they go out to these these calls uh and that again is is in our basically in our, our city ordinance we don't call it a a noise complaint we don't call it a noise ordinance but because we've adopted the the uh, state statute it's there for for our use now uh, what I've done is I've looked at several uh, cities in the in the region that have noise ordinances. Uh, we looked at Baton Rouge, we looked at Tuscaloosa, we looked at Athens, uh, Oxford. Uh, these are these are locations that have a a community pretty much like ours, and we looked at their their noise ordinances. Well, three of the of the four. Well, let me back up and say that most of these are pretty verbose. Uh, when you look at, at the disorderly conduct statute, it's, it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It doesn't have page after page of definitions, and it's, it's not a whole lot of hoops to jump through when all you have to do is prove the unreasonableness of the, of the noise. Um, so with that being said, when I looked at the, the, the ordinances that these, these other locations had, there was a, a, a lot of talk in, in, I think, three of the four about the, the uh, the decibel level you have to, to the officer has to go out measure the, the noise with a, a meter to determine if it exceeds a, a, a predetermined uh, decibel level and if it does exceed it then that person is obviously in violation of the of the ordinance well with that if if you know the the clientele we serve sometimes uh, most of these folks are going to be wise enough to know if the, the decibel level you can't exceed is 95, they're going to keep it at 92. So you're going to be stuck, you know, not able to enforce anything, you know. And if you, if you create two, then it almost looks, or what I'm saying, if you create a noise ordinance and you still have the, the disorderly uh, conduct statute on the books, it almost looks like you're, you're cherry picking. You're, you're picking and choosing when you enforce one and when you enforce the other one. So we have something in place that works for us, and it, it has worked for years. Like I said, I've been here for 30 years, and I, I've, I've only seen it fail us a, a, a half a dozen times or so. So it's something that we can rely on and has proven to be effective. Good. Mr. Griswold, do you have any follow-up questions? No, I don't. I, I appreciate the explanation. And I'm, I'm sure that the, the public who's watching or listening will, will uh, appreciate it as well. Thank you. I had two questions real quick on that. Um, 
when they're measuring the decibel, where, where would they measure that from? Well, it depends on the on the ordinance itself. Uh, there was, I think, one that said they had to be 100 feet away and another one that said maybe 300 feet, but it's, it's different just depending on what, what uh, the, the council decided they, they wanted the, the measurement to be. Um, to me, that's still problematic because let's say you're, you're down here uh, on West Magnolia somewhere where now they've built up apartment complexes basically in the backyard of some of the, the fraternity houses and the fraternity's having a, a, a band party. Well, if you gotta go 300 feet away to, to get your measurement, well, you've you've already passed the 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 place where the where the the complaining is calling from in those apartment complexes, and it's it's kind of unfair to to them if it doesn't measure the the you know excessive amount. That's that's us wondering. And then, um, as far as in the city of Auburn, are there certain time frames, or if someone decides to make a a complaint at 10 a.m. versus 10 p.m. versus 3 3 a.m. With disorderly conduct, no, sir. Okay. All you have to do is be able to show that it was unreasonable. So if, if, if you're at home and you're trying to have a, a, a quiet Sunday brunch and there's somebody down the street with amplified sound and it's, it's disturbing your ability to enjoy the peace and tranquility of your home, doesn't have anything to do with the, with the time of day, you can just articulate to us that you feel it's unreasonable and we can articulate that if we have to cite that person. Okay, thank you. Chief, are you comfortable with our current ordinance that we have to, to tackle noise issues in the city? I mean, you shoehorning everything through disorderly conduct works. Or do you, do you feel that this body needs to put some more parameters in there to tackle that issue? No, sir, I think you would convolute it. Disorderly conduct has worked for, for us for, like I say, 30 years that I've been here. It has been very effective. And I think to, to, to change it at this point uh, would, would it wouldn't it wouldn't get the same result i think it would it would probably create some confusion thank you Chief. Okay. Oh, go ahead. okay the only other question i have and i want to apologize for asking this question because i was fumbling around trying to find ink being in my purse so what was the three uh things that y'all do when y'all get the complaint you do what what, what before they actually shut down the party or whatever. When we get a complaint, the officer is dispatched to the to the area where the, the, the noise is, uh, you know, purportedly coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, he makes contact with the person that's creating the noise or is re responsible for the, the noise being created. And we explain to them that they need to, to turn it down uh, to an acceptable level. We also give them a warning that if we have to come back, they're going to have to shut the, the, the noise or the music or whatever it is off completely. And anything beyond that, we're going to issue uh, an NTC or make an arrest for disorderly conduct. Oh, okay, okay. So that second complaint is what can, when you have to come back the second time, is what can actually shut it down? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And that's a non-traffic citation. And this also happens, um, there have been many discussions with managers of establishments have been cited over the years. It's the responsible party. It could be the president of an organization. It could be a lot of people. It's not our desired method of enforcement. That's why every attempt is made to, to get it under control before we have to make those moves. But at times, officers have issued citations. And that will continue to happen. That would also apply to a vehicle, right, Chief? 
Yes, sir. We we get a number of, of, of complaints about different things. It's not just band parties and that kind of stuff. We've got complaints on the, the high school football team practicing. We've got complaints on neighbors walking too hard in apartment complexes, dogs barking. It can be anything. If, if it's affecting somebody's ability to enjoy the peace and tranquility of, of, of their home environment, then yeah, we're, we're going to go out and we're going to look into it and take whatever uh, actions we need to to correct it. Thank you. Any other questions? Yeah. Yes, Chief. Is there any coordination uh, with the university? Because I know the, the fraternity parties all have to be registered uh, if they're going to have an organized party. Uh, so if that if if they're legitimate and they're registered and they've taken role in the whole bit that they have to do, uh, do they have certain hours that they're supposed to maintain in terms of a party or the noise levels? Well. Um Director Register and I have both spoke with uh, Bobby Woodard, who's over student conduct. Mm -hmm. Dr. Woodard uh, is, has been made aware that uh, we we've had some issues with the with the uh, the noise, and so the university can't permit a, a fraternity to to violate or break the law. So he understands that, and so he has had a, a talk with his staff, and they have, have hopefully pushed the word out by now, letting the, the, the students and the, the fraternities know that if they're in, in violation, what our, our process and procedure is going to be. We're going to show up. We're going to give them an opportunity to turn it down. If we have to come back after that, then we're going we're gonna to take uh, enforcement action. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Megan, do we get notice from the university regarding parties when there's going to be amplified music or anything like that? Chief Anderson would, would know from a public safety standpoint if those permits for fraternity parties run through our police precinct on campus or not. Do we have awareness? They do not. Is that the biggest problem with the norm? I mean, you cited, I know there's all kinds of different things. I mean, block party, house parties, I assume, would probably be the worst because it's in neighborhoods or believe it or not um, it's it's the it's a toss-up between some of the fraternities uh, mm -hmm. having parties and businesses uh, yes. we have a lot of businesses that have live bands and uh, amplified sound and mm -hmm. so uh, we have a lot of complaints about that and say in the last year we've had a few from fraternity parties that have traveled miles to the other side of the interstate and what have you and it's been a, a trend in the last 12 months and you know, it is merely a guesstimate at this stage, but I think some things are just louder. The amplification has been turned up, the volume is up. And so one of the things that public safety has been proactive with is meeting with student affairs to try to mm -hmm. try to warn. It's not an attempt to shut down parties, it's to get them to a level when it's carrying miles away to subdivisions. Um, and it happened in the fall and it's happened this winter, and it'll probably happen again this spring. So try to work with everybody to get, have a band party, but you don't have to, to blow people three three miles away out of their living rooms um, and believe me I experienced one of those this fall and I lived almost four miles from the party where it was coming from and I could hear what was what the music was in my living room so it's happening periodically and no I did not call it call in a noise complaint but when I checked we had a number of complaints and we had located the sound and and the fraternities cooperate with us when we're able to to get figure out where the noise is coming from and I want to you know, be certain that everyone understands this isn't lack of cooperation, it's sometimes lack of awareness. Yes. Is the, do businesses, any, any time they're doing out, outdoor events with amp, amplified music or sounds, do they have to, any kind of permitting for that? Okay. No, not with us. All right. Any other questions? Yeah, Thanks. Chief Anderson. Of uh, your 1,200 complaints annually <clears throat> on that graph, how many of those complaints end up being uh, issued a non-traffic citation? 
I don't have that number, but the, the majority, I would probably say uh, a, a thousand or more, are, are, are able to be shut down without any any issues whatsoever. Once we show up and explain what the, what the problem is, they realize that it's, it's unreasonable and someone's complained. Uh, most people will comply and, and shut it down, or they will take it upon themselves to shut just shut it off completely and do something different. Thanks, Chief. Uh, anybody uh, else? Uh, is uh, the is it enforced? Do you are you more lenient doing football games, or it, it stands the same? Doing get, you know football seasoning like Auburn winning now with the basketball and all that kind of stuff. So are y'all more leaning yet? What we do is we allow the officers to use discretion. Uh, they have to go out and assess the situation and and see what what's going on, what it is, what what's taking place, and and they the, I can't tell an officer you're going to do. X, Y, Z every time you show up at a call. I mean, it, it would be wrong of me to do that because it takes away their discretion. We trust them to go out and, and look at every situation and make that determination on their own. So we try to be lenient. We try to give people the opportunity to have a good time. We want people to celebrate, especially when Auburn's winning and things are going well. We want that to, to, to happen, but we don't want it to be where they, they infringe on other people's ability to enjoy peace and quiet. There again, the human factor in which is better than a decibel meter, I would take it. Yes, sir. Okay. Anyone else? I'd just like to say I'm very impressed with you tonight, uh, Chief Anderson. You're doing a good job, which tells me you must have had a mighty good sergeant by 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> Thank you, Chief. All right. Thank appreciate you, it. Thanks Chief. for all you do. Thanks, sir. Community art and mural discussion. Mayor Pro Tem Whitten. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I wanted to just ask this body to consider um, looking at how art is um, interacts in our community and how we allow either an individual, a business, or even possibly our own um, municipal art to be displayed throughout our community. <clears throat> I know we were going to, um, I think, hear from planning on some some things that are of the um, I guess a sign ordinance and how that impacts community art. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that for sake of discussion that we talk about um, art as it is a benefit to our community. Um, I did a little bit of reading and research. Um, I have a, a lifetime of experience with art um, as growing up with my family business and so forth. So it's very important to me and I just want to make, and I believe that our community is pro art. I just think we can provide other vehicles and avenues. And um, just in 2018, this body um, approved the Parks, Recreation, and Cultural Master Plan, which spoke about um, creating um, art and giving it more visibility throughout our community. So we've already determined that there's a need for this conversation um, as early as 2018, and I'm sure even prior to that. And then we also have really several different ways that we celebrate art in our community through the Auburn Arts Association, obviously Jewel Collins Smith, which is on campus, the most recent GPAC, which we support, and then our own Jan Dempsey Community Arts Center. And those are all really more contained. Um, but what I'm asking us to discuss is art in the, without um, being contained in uh, four walls, but maybe on the outside of a wall or in a right-of-way or in a um, public uh, private space. So um, there's many benefits to that, and 
we can get into that, but I think for the sake of this conversation, um, I'd like for us to hear from, from staff, Megan, on how, where we are today and, and where we potentially need to go as a, as a body. For, for this yep. yeah, so we're going to have planning director Steve Foote, and he's going to talk just what the zoning ordinance says. Um, this isn't, we're not here to discuss a, any specific mural cases, but there's been a question as to what our ordinance says. And I also <clears throat> want to make sure everyone understands that when we have a law on the books, such as an ordinance, the city doesn't get to pick and choose, as we just discussed with noise complaints, which ordinances we enforce and which we do not. We have to enforce them all. So a law on the books today has to be enforced regardless of circumstances, and, and the city council doesn't have the ability to sit here tonight and change an ordinance such as the zoning ordinance. There's state law, advertising requirements, and other things where we need to notice the public. And so there's been a few questions circulating. Well, can't the city council on this very night just make a change to an ordinance? Not that particular ordinance. It's governed by state law in a very specific way. But I'm going to have planning director Steve Foote just go over quickly with you, and we're just going to put up on the screen a, a one-slide um, explanation of, of what the requirements are today. And I know it's uh, council, you have monitors in front of you. You can see this a little more easily. Mr. Foote. Thank you. So you know, I would start by just saying back in 2021, uh, the planning department did look into some research that happened to be retain, uh, pertaining to murals. And as they looked at that information, it kind of grew into a broader discussion, I believe, on art and murals. So duplicity of those two different subjects. And after they did that research, it was presented to the planning commission. And that was probably, I think, in July or so of 2021, just before I got here. And, uh, and that presentation also talked about an arts commission, uh, creation of something like an arts commission. Um, no additional action has been taken since that time, since that presentation was made. So we have received some questions recently by some of the planning commission uh, members uh, as to the, the status of this, this whole subject. I would also tell you that, yeah, on the slide, uh, you have some information there that's taken from the existing regulations in the zoning ordinance. You have the definition for what a mural is <clears throat> and basically I can just read to you. A sign, you know, it's a sign, first of all. So let's say that. It's not, it doesn't say it's not a sign. So in our definition, it is a sign uh, based on graphics and artwork that's painted, drawn, applied to an exterior wall. It's not supposed to have logos, images of products, services of a business, those types of things. So it's, it's non-commercial, if you will. And, uh, and that's mentioned in some of the rest of that definition. So then um, painted graphics just includes types of murals and other types of signs. But the other thing that's important in this context is that we have another section 604 that talks about prohibited signs. So there's a long list of, of signs there in letter FF, the la very last one on the list is actually murals. So murals are contained in the zoning ordinance as a prohibited sign. So if it meets the definition of mural, not just anything painted on a wall, uh, like you have the Southeastern sign painted on the wall in downtown, that's not considered a mural necessarily, it's part of their signage. So there is a way to do it if it's a commercial message, it's part of your signage. <clears throat> but that's the definitions that are from the code. You have a few other definitions there that I don't think I need to go through at this point unless you have questions. <clears throat> if you decided to look into this, for instance, you know the process that Megan was just talking about. You know, um, city council has the ability to initiate a text amendment to the zoning ordinance, as does the planning commission. And that would be something that would be worked on by staff, presented to the Planning Commission, they would make a recommendation that's forwarded to you, and then of course you would have to adopt an ordinance to uh, change the zoning ordinance. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Mr. Foote. Does anybody from the council have a question for Mr. Foote? I, I do have a question. So could we not bring this up tonight to have a discussion next week about to then have you're shaking your head, Megan. So you you can, but you remand the planning commission. So no matter what you do, even if you were going to discuss it, it has to start with planning commission because it's a zoning ordinance change. Meaning the council could instruct the planning commission to do so. But this body, I thought you were going where this body doesn't have the ability to change the ordinance itself okay. um, without going through a whole process that is outlined in state law of legal advertising and so on. And you you weren't saying we were going to skip that, but we don't normally go to this body to then turn around i mean you would just have a discussion if you want the planning commission to to take this back up immediately which mr foot has indicated they asked um at their meeting if i may mr foot on thursday i've heard from one planning commissioner directly and they had a little bit of a discussion about this and i had asked them hey let's just wait the city council is discussing this tuesday night and see you know what the discussion is and and determine what their direction is from there whatever that may be council i oh, go ahead kelly I, I Was that you, Connie? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, so we got this, and, and I guess this question is for Beth. What are we actually doing? Are we trying to change something from the ordinance that we already have? And, and if so, what are we trying to do different than, than, the, than uh, what the ordinance, ordinance is saying now? So from my perspective, I think what we're looking at is um, multi multifaceted. So one is to have a conversation and how do we allow someone to formally request to install or create a piece of artwork, whether it's a mural or e some other type of artwork. Is there a formal process by which someone can go through to ensure that it's done properly and done within keeping with our our culture and our um, expectations of the city. And then two, I think um, this is, the regulations operate in a different vein, silo, that I would leave to the experts of planning to determine if how that coincides or conflicts, if it does, with um, having a process by which someone would ask to have, let's say a mural put up on the side of their building. Does that make sense? So it's really multifaceted, the conversation. I want us to think about all things. It really came about when I saw that our sign ordinance, is to me it's an unintended consequence that it prohibits murals and the art in the form of murals. So I would think that we as a body could look at that and determine how we can be more open in creating public art um, and opportunities for public art. Is there a process now for someone to apply for a mural? No, no there, there is not. There's not. Um, and one of the things is there was a downtown study committee in the 2009 time frame, and Katie's nodding at me to make sure I got the right time frame. I was actually part of that committee, um, and so was Katie Robinson, and we had three planning commissioners and three city council members, and we were studying a number of things about downtown, and murals was one of the things that we discussed at the time, and the committee was at an impasse and opted um, to, to pause where the ordinance stands today and recommend that because there was not agreement among anyone at the time about what the city should do about murals. So this isn't a new discussion. Um, and Art in Public Places has come up on numerous occasions, and we do have a cultural arts director that does have it as a goal based on the Parks and Recreation Cultural Master Plan to look at 
art in public places. What we haven't done to date is gotten any direction from our governing body, you, our policymakers, about what you'd like to do that's budgetary, policy-wise, or other, and what your interest level in it is in advancing. That's not a discussion we've had the opportunity to have. So here, here we are at this point with Councilperson Witten, you know, bringing forward this very item. And to Mr. Dixon's point, exactly, you, two weeks ago you said you want to talk about it tonight, so you're definitely all in order to talk about it as you wish tonight because you agreed two weeks ago you would do that. So we're just looking for direction from the council at this stage. Ms. Witten and I and, and Megan and I have been talking about this the last couple of days uh, and even last week. Um, I, would, I would like for the council to, um, to move forward with this concept, to, to form a study group um, that would have a couple of council members, um, Ms. Witten and Mr. Parsons is who I would highly recommend, and a couple of uh, planning commissioners, uh, Marcus Marshall and Jana Jager would be the two that uh, I would ask us to um, to recommend and allow these this group of four people to spend some time over the next 60 or 75 days engaging with our planning staff, engaging with our Parks and Rec, engaging with people in our community who are interested in this and help us understand how we could uh, make this happen. I do believe this is an idea whose time has come and it's time for us to really dig in and understand it. Uh, I do believe it's also an idea that needs um, some guardrails kind of built to how are we gonna do this? How will we authorize it? How would we proceed with it? Um, Ms. Witten has a very keen passion for this and I believe that she would um, be very interested and excited about chairing this group. But this would be a study group that would just spend some time over the next two and a half months just really digging in and, and helping the rest of the council really understand what is the methodology behind having public art and community art, how do we go about doing that, um, and how do we make it the best it can possibly be for our community that I believe is very interested in making this happen. Would there be a recommendation by the end of that study? Certainly, I believe that there would be recommendations from that group. I would ask them to have, have us. If it's a parameter you set forth, commonly used when we use study committees in the past, it's a joint session of Planning Commission and City Council where the group comes back. And sometimes they do it in an interim fashion if they're in a hurry <coughs> with a piece of it and they're still working on something else, um, <coughs> that they will make a report to a, a joint group of the Planning Commission and City Council about what they've learned and what their recommendations are. And then, it, then it goes from there you know, things that would go to planning. If you guys were to decide, okay, we're good with an arts commission and that's what they recommend and they would be making recommendations to the council, we think this is a good idea and here's why. I do think it's important the mayor hit on a two and a half month or three and a half month time frame that this have a, a beginning and a clear end and it's purpose stated by the council um, for what the marching orders are. I would like to share that I would have a lot of interest in being a part of that committee. I am, I view myself as an artist. Um, I think I might have some perspective to, to add. Anyone else? Is Barry okay with that? Yeah, fully in support of that. Okay, all right. Well, why don't um, tonight we agree that we're gonna put a study group together, um, and I would like to uh, certainly recommend that Ms. Witten be the chair of that study group, and we'll identify the rest of the members here in the next couple of days, okay? I don't wanna be on that board. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Not much Chief, I would. Hard. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you were not. You were not under consideration. If that's all right. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> now he wants to be on. Okay. All right. Mayor, I'd like to just clarify sort of a timeline of what we're talking about. You know, I, I don't. My only fear is that this would be um, 
you know, out in uh, in no man's land for a little while. So we're we're talking about a a few weeks worth of um, of study to then propose to the planning commission to draft a new ordinance or like that, just a little more clarification on what sure we, absolutely what we I, to bring out of this absolutely with a um, it would it would be my recommendation that we spend sixty days uh, maybe seventy five maybe May first that uh, this group would come back to the give us some type of report as to where they were. Um, that, that report would signal a meeting between the Planning Commission and the City Council where we'd have a work session and they would make a formal presentation of their findings. And then at that meeting, we would decide where to go from there. Um, Mr. Hovey, I would say that we would get our initial report from them on May the 1st. I would ask that that be the time we put on there and, and then we'd go from there. So on May 1, we would get receive some type of report. And the goal of that report is to determine whether or not we need to make changes or absolutely i think the goal they would give us some kind of idea of what they have found and that would be the uh, catalyst for us to have a work session with the planning commission and discuss those more thoroughly or actually perhaps propose changes absolutely absolutely all of that would be proposed you good yeah okay anyone else okay I'll get with the city manager and we'll formalize this in the next couple of days and get something out to everybody, okay? All right. Any questions on the agenda? Mayor, if I may, we have one addition to the agenda. There's an agenda on the dais, and that's 7A3 on board announcements. We had a resignation of a planning commissioner. A letter was submitted to you yesterday evening. And so I have adjusted the agenda to include a vacancy announcement for an unexpired term that would begin immediately. Now immediately is a relative term because you have a board and commission process that was adopted in January of 2019 that says with planning commission, we must advertise a vacancy for at least four weeks. And then 29 days before the meeting is when we close applications to give you the opportunity to review applications and to perform interviews. And what that really means in English is we would advertise starting tomorrow through, as written today, through uh, March 21st, which would be 29 days before the April 19th meeting, um, because that is what your policy says. And so you have an unexpired term, um, but you're in an eight-plus-week eight process to fill that seat. So this planning commissioner has resigned effectively immediately. Um, so that will be a vacant seat until such time as you fill it. So based on our current policy and rules, it would be very difficult for us to have somebody in place for their March meeting. Yeah, it would not meet your rules at all. As a matter of fact, it doesn't meet your rules for the April meeting. Uh, the way the rules are tracking, you would make this appointment at the April 19th meeting, which would be two months of, be after of, the April of meeting. being absent one planning commission member for sure. Okay. So if the goal was to have somebody in place for the April meeting, uh, which is before our April 19th meeting, that is April 14th, mm -hmm. I believe, um, we would need to suspend our rules in some format to allow a, a quicker process. Yeah, you can. That, that's certainly up to the council. I'm not sure as I read this, and I think Councilperson Witten and Griswold could speak to this if we contemplated, or if they did, as the, the group dealing with it, unexpired terms. When we have a vacancy, planning commission terms run six years. This, I think another important thing is this vacancy would come up in 2023. Um, but you're filling a, a last about 15 months of a term. And so I don't know that that was contemplated when making the, the policy. I think it was more, you know, in reading it for our regular appointments when vacancies come after a six-year term has been fulfilled. Okay. All right. 
Any other questions on the agenda? We'll talk about this a little bit more during the regular agenda. I don't really have a question on the agenda, but I was wondering if you could give us an update on the Opelika Road completion. I think the Opelika Road completion, I understand this, the sentiments in the community, and I wish I could tell you we can move it up faster. We, we can't make it go faster. Our hope is May right now. There's going to be more pain in the month of April. I believe it may be late March um, where they're actually going to, you know, there's been a big mess in front of Niffers. There's concrete in the road that was not anticipated and initial plans and there hasn't been a way for us to safely get a lane open why it's confusing to the public and believe me the city engineer hears from me not five but seven days a week about let's finish up like a road um, and I heard all the council members and citizens and yes there's much banter on social media if we can make it go faster we would I also need to remind everyone we have contractual obligations that we have to meet and, and adhere to as does the contractor and we will deal with those accordingly right now our current schedule is May but I do need to warn you the inside lane or a lot of people call it the left lane um, will end up will end up shifting in the left lane on both sides will be closed for a period of time while they have to form up um, curb and in essence gutter curbing for the median that will be installed in the middle of the road there so there is still a good bit of work to do we're hopeful for May but I will make no guarantees thank you okay so move to adjourn so uh, mayor I got a yep, question sure. from the city All right, there's not yeah please Tommy Ms. Crouch, can you tell us where we're at on redistricting? You know, when, 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 when will it be final and when will we notify the people of the new ward? Yeah, the, the assistant city clerk will correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that ran in the villager last Thursday, the 10th of, of March. She's nodding her head. Uh, March, great, February. Um, and we are still uh, working to schedule a meeting with Judge English about polling locations. There's been much discussion about that. So the city is not going to send anything out until we have completed. There could be some polling location changes based on whether or not we're able to use, say, the Coliseum at the university, what wards would that involve. So we'll send out some postcards once that's decided. Um, I will admit 10 years ago we had a lot of trouble. Our, the vast majority of the postcards we sent, people change addresses and whatever. Uh, we do our best to reach people, but a lot of them bounce back. Um, and we do that based on our databases and not a registered voter count, just trying to catch everybody in the city. Um, and we will make every effort again to notify people, but it's not going to be um, anytime soon until we get polling locations identified. How long do you anticipate that being? Until we have a meeting, I'm not sure, and that meeting has yet to be scheduled. We're working to get it scheduled. Thank you, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the um, National Guard Armory? Uh, Mr. Dorton will correct me, our Director of Public Affairs, uh, but my understanding is the armory is a really big challenge because of parking and Shug Jordan Parkway and speeds and people park up and down Shug Jordan Parkway and we're very concerned about safety. So I don't believe we have any intention, Mr. Dorton, of reinstituting that as a polling location, at least for city purposes. Um, I would say for general purposes, we're, we're doing everything we can. You heard a discussion during redistricting about people voting in different places. Um, state and federal elections have different polling locations and you could live say up Heath Road and you have to to vote at the fire station on Highway 280 even though you're a resident of Auburn you, you also vote there with residents of the county and other elections um, we have a lot of complaints about that location because they're parking on US Highway 280 with people going by at 75 miles an hour we're working on those things with the county but um, we haven't had that discussion yet and Judge English has been um, very forthcoming that he he wants to meet with us about it and we haven't been able to get schedules aligned so so our new wards aren't in effect yet they are in effect okay. they were published on February 10th was that your question 
Yeah, well, part of it, I, the rest of it was like, I want to know where we're headed with it. <coughs> yeah, the ordinance, ordinances are not effective until they are published, and the publication date was February 10th, so they are now effective. A few of you have asked, who do citizens go to if ward lines have changed? And the answer is state law doesn't speak to that. Um, so citizens should go to either their current council member, if they think their ward's changed, or their future council member. They should just go to the council member they're comfortable with or would like to contact. Um, it is we're in a redistricting cycle where it's falling in your in your term not years out it's falling immediately so it just makes it a little bit different than usual so redistricting is technically in effect now it is in effect now but in terms of the city attorney issued an opinion to me months ago as a, several of you had this very question and if you know people were in Ward 2 and now they're in Ward 3 well they should contact either the Ward 2 council person or the Ward 3 it is up to them or any of you. Um, I've, I've found in my years you'll help any citizen who has questions. So, yeah. All right. Any other questions? Mayor, if I may, though, if you were going to suspend the rules, you would not do that during the council meeting uh, about the Planning Commission appointment. I'm just making an announcement. Would tonight be the time we need to do that? So one of our challenges is when we post this, we need to inform citizens about when applications close. So this goes live basically midnight tonight um, because it's technically live on the 16th of February. So I don't want to post something with a date saying you've got four or five weeks to get your application in and then change it tomorrow afternoon to be a different time frame because that might confuse some people. So if you're going to, to change that, we need to signal to the public what we are doing. Okay, so if the goal for the council is to have somebody a, uh, an appointment date of April the 5th, which allows that person to be uh, at the April planning commission meeting, so there's only going to be one meeting with with uh, one less planning commissioner, then um, potentially we could we could set the applications in process beginning tonight. That could go for a couple of weeks, Megan. Mm -hmm. Interviews potentially could be the week of the 14th through the 18th uh, of March. They could actually be the week after that potentially, and then the appointment would be on Tuesday night, April the 5th. But to do that, we have to suspend the rules. You need to move to suspend the rules, and I would just say those those dates if that's what you want to do. That's a, that's up to the council. Okay, so we need to start with doing and have this discussion right now. Yeah, it would be okay. out of order during the council okay. meeting. Okay, all right. So um, once again, uh, council members, the goal is to only have one planning commission meeting when there's only eight uh, potential members there. And so to deliver this new planning uh, commissioner to the April uh, 14th meeting, we would have to suspend our rules, um, which would make us have to speed the process up a little bit. Okay? May so. I ask a question? Please. Um, just to refresh my um, brain, our normal appointments, how long do we keep um, those applications open? Four, four week minimum or 29, it, you know, it says it has to be closed 29 days before you appoint for planning commission for planning commission and the board of education because i'm going to be announcing that later sure. as well just to, to for our state for our non-interviewing um commissions i don't don't believe there's a i'll have to reread and lindsay do you know off the top of your head it's usually just like a month as a point a month okay it's certainly up to you, and I'm not trying to rush you. That is your your call, but your rules say something specific. So if you're going to make any change to that, you need to do it. And I'm not sure how you would feel about us posting and then changing. If somebody goes in there and looks, and then we change the deadline and move it up, they might not have awareness. So before we post, I'd like to know what the deadline is. 
Okay, so Megan, we could leave the applications up for three weeks potentially, right? Yeah, you can do whatever you wish if you suspend the rules. Okay. It's giving so they, you enough time to interview, I think, was your goal to review applications and then giving you time to interview. So if we if the application process went live tonight, it could uh, potentially, for three weeks, that would put it, um, I don't know, March 9th, 10th, something like that. I'm just guessing here. I'm not looking at a calendar. That would be about three yeah, weeks. Yeah, March 9th. March 9th. Then and that, that would, would be a 5 p.m., close that's okay. how it works but that's right, three Lindsay? full weeks of being available mm -hmm. and then that gives the council a couple of weeks there to schedule interviews before an april 5th meeting right because the appointments you know you don't put who you're appointing on the agenda you decide it that night so you've got all the way up until the council meeting to conduct those interviews okay that gives you whatever time frame if if march 9th what you, what you want to go with that's fine it's your choice about application review and time for okay. interviewing so um and then the, the weeks after that, Miss Miss Crouch, or, or March the 14th, 18th, and then it would be, what, March the 21st to the 25th? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, Council, just continue to work with us here. I'm sorry that this is uh, this was all a surprise to every one of us yesterday afternoon. So if we if the applications go live tonight, then there, the application is available for three weeks. That would put it on March the 9th. That would give the City Council a couple of weeks uh, to schedule the interviews and then uh, then that would give us about a week to everybody a week to make their own mind up who they would like to support for this appointment on April the 5th does everybody comfortable with that time schedule is everybody comfortable with that okay so Megan how do we formalize suspending Somebody just the rules needs to move to suspend the rules with those dates okay yeah. And that would be, and then okay, again. So, why don't I make the motion since I'm working through this? So I'll ask the City Council, I'll make a motion to suspend the rules for the new Planning Commission appointment, uh, where the application will be available from February the 16th to March the 9th. The interviews will be either March the 14th through 18th or March the 21st through the 25th to a date to be determined, and for the appointment to be made on April the 5th. Second. Okay. All right. I have a motion and a second to suspend these rules. Any other conversation or questions? Everybody okay? All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay. That motion carries. Thank you for working. Thank you for reminding me on that. Thank you. Ms. Crouch. Okay. And certainly we thank Mr. Lazenby for his service. Absolutely. And wish we him do. well. And he served five great years on the Planning Commission, and we appreciate his service. Okay. Do we have a move to adjourn now? No move. No move. All right. We are adjourned from the Committee of the Whole. And, Lindsay, it's after 7 o'clock, so we'll go right into our meeting. Roll call. Here. 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 Hovey. Here. Parsons. Here. Smith. Present. Taylor. Here. Bitten. Here. Anders. Here. Would you please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance and then remain standing for a moment of silence. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Okay, as you just heard during the Committee of the Whole, many of you were here. We had a presentation from Police Chief Anderson about uh, noise mitigation that Councilman Councilperson Griswold uh, asked us to uh, uh, conduct here tonight, and then we had a discussion about a community art and mural 
um, process that we would, that the council is uh, interested in learning more about. Uh, I will work with uh, the city manager and Ms. Witten to appoint a study group that will consist of uh, planning commissioners as well as city council representatives. We'll look for a report from this group on May the 1st and that they'll be followed up with a work session with the planning commission and the city council. Um, there was also discussions uh, later on about um, uh, we've had just a, a resignation to our planning commission and what we can do to get a, a new planning commissioner in place as soon as possible, knowing that the, there was no way to make that happen for the March meeting. And so the city council decided to suspend the rules to speed the process up. So our goal would be to have a planning, new planning commissioner in place by the April 5th, uh, by the April 14th meeting. And that uh, appointment would be made on April the 5th. Okay. All right. Um, just a, a number of announcements I'd like to make tonight. Um, there is a significant road race that is coming to our community for the first time this weekend. The War Eagle Run will be Sunday morning. Uh, I encourage all of you who get up Sunday morning with a routine to go to go to worship or wherever you might go to, to make sure that you're aware of the road race that will be going on. Uh, as of today, there's over 2,000 uh, uh, runners, participants. Many of those people are coming from out of town. It'll be a great weekend for our hotels um, to have all these visitors to town. Um, this is a private industry that entity that is coming to town that is partnering with our tourism um, office to make this happen. So we're very excited about it. I'll be getting up at 6:30 on Sunday morning and welcoming them off and encouraging them. Um, and so uh, we appreciate it. And hope for good weather. Arbor Day is coming up on, uh, and there will be an Arbor Day celebration here in the city on February the 26th. If you want to pick up a new tree, you can go to either Publix locations or the TCBY and the Kroger Shopping Center. We appreciate um, all the efforts that is going towards that. Uh, you might have seen uh, information about the Citizens Academy, and I want to thank Allison Blankenship for her blood, sweat, and tears to make that happen. We've had a rousing response to that, and uh, uh, applications are still open, but uh, we look forward to many people in our community learning more about how we do business here at the city, and I, think the, I appreciate the interest uh, for so many in our community. This past Saturday, I was uh, able to attend the Darden Gala uh, it's a celebration of uh, Dr. Darden, who was the first African-American uh, doctor in East Alabama, I believe in Lee County as well. And it's a gala that raises money for scholarships for students in either the schools of pharmacy or nursing or medicine. And uh, what a great celebration. They also recognize a local doctor each year. And Dr. Jim Matthews, who's, been a, who's now retired, but been a longtime internist in our area, was recognized. A very great celebration providing great opportunities for young people to further their medical career, and it recognizes the legacy uh, of somebody who was uh, very historic to our community, and it was great. Um, today, there's was been a celebration of School Resource Officer Day. If you pay attention to any of our schools on social media, uh, there was a lot of donuts and biscuits and celebrations around these great people who protect our children and our families every day. Uh, I thank them for what they do. Uh, Chief Register, if you'll please communicate our thanks to those school resource officers and their sacrifices they make each day to keep our campuses safe. We certainly appreciate that. And I want to thank Alabama Power for uh, uh, giving us a grant um, to our Industrial Development Board recently for $75,000. It'll fund improvements and assist in expansion of our training center located in Auburn Industrial Park. And thank Alabama Power for being a great partner to the city of Auburn. Uh, for a long, long time. Those are all my announcements. Anybody else on the council have anything they'd like to announce tonight? Yes, sir, Kelly. Mr. Mayor, uh, the cost to the city for the Councilman Dixon lawsuit uh, is $68,136 as of the 31st of January. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, ma'am. 
I want to thank uh, Al Davis and his staff for allowing um, me as a city council person to uh, have the senior citizen Valentine Ball at Boykin this past Saturday night. It was a success. We had uh, probably over 150 people there, and it was really, really a nice ball. And I just want to thank you for uh, supporting um, this event. And um, so thank you, Aya, and, and thank your staff. Thank you, Connie. Have a couple absolutely sure um this past sunday the auburn high school um had a presentation by the ace club which stands for afrocultural education and they had an amazing performance um and dominic reese who is a um auburn high alumna um spoke and he had a great message for our teens and really for everybody in the audience and my daughter and i had a great <clears throat> time seeing that and i'm just very proud of our high school, Miss Gentry, who is the lead of that group, um, who happens to be my daughter's math teacher as well. So um, it was really a great um, performance, and I just applaud everyone who's a part of that group. Um, and then this next weekend is the Mardi Gras Parade on Saturday the 26th and tentatively scheduled for 3 p.m. Um, at this present moment. So <laughs> I, I caveat, caveat that because of the basketball game, So, which just was announced today. So... Make your plans to come downtown on Saturday the 26th and see a parade. Good. Thank you. Anyone else have an announcement from the council? I'd like to thank sure, uh, and recognize uh, Public Safety Director Paul Register and his folks. For the, had a horrible accident on I-85 yesterday, and uh, I came through there going south shortly after it occurred, and your folks were already on the scene. I'm very proud of the way our fire department responds as well as our police, and uh, just keep up the good work, and I'm sorry you all had to go through such as that out there. Anybody else? Okay, Auburn University Communications. Hi, hope y'all are doing well. Hope y'all had a nice Valentine's weekend. This lovely weather we're having lately. <laughs> um, Auburn University's Board of Trustees approved a name change for the arena. So it was the Auburn Arena, now it's gonna be the Neville Arena. Um, after Bill and Connie Neville, who were members of the Pat Dye Society. So we'll be playing Vanderbilt there tomorrow night, and um, we can get back to number one. It's super simple. Um, so, and then this past weekend, an organization on campus called Dance Marathon raised over $270,000 by dancing all day long. Um, Abby Ronson danced and worked all day, so, you know, tirelessly her. Absolutely. Um, so we're really proud of them, and, you know, that's just one organization on campus that raises tons of money for such great causes. So all of that will go directly to children at Piedmont Columbus Regional Hospital, so we're super proud of them. And then Black Student Union, or BSU, is hosting Unity Week this week, um, so they're doing events every single night. I think tonight they're having a luau. Um, tomorrow night's a film, all uniting students all across campus, so... We'll be celebrating Black History Month all the way until the end of February. Um, and then election week, y'all definitely saw a bunch of that, I'm sure. Um, posters everywhere. We have a new SJ president. We'll miss Rhett, but Jake Haston is our new president, and he'll be at breakfast next time, hopefully. So, And then I think I forgot to mention this last time, but we did tentatively, uh, tentatively planned a Ron on the Lawn event. So it's been a long time coming, but it will be happening, and we'll be distributing merchandise to everyone. So. <laughs> That's about all I have, so thank you, War Eagle. I There'll thought we talked about the council yeah. wasn't invited to that. Yes. No, 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 no. They, they must be, and we'll be getting okay. hats. Sure. There, there are many Posters versions of the t <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. We look forward to having breakfast with you next Thursday. Okay. 
Now's the time for citizens' uh, communications on tonight's uh, agenda. These will only be communications related to items that are on our agenda. If you'd like to talk to the council, please come forward and give us your name and address for the record, and you'll have five minutes to speak. Anyone? Okay, we'll move ahead. City Manager's communications. Mayor, under City Manager's communications this evening, we have the announcement of the following board vacancies. One vacancy on the Auburn Public Library Board. The four-year term begins April 15th, 2022 and ends January 14th, 2026. The appointment will be made at the March 15th meeting. One vacancy on the Board of Education. The five-year term begins June 1st, 2022 and ends May 31st, 2027. The appointment will be made at the April 19th meeting. And then as discussed earlier, one vacancy for an unexpired term on the Planning Commission that would begin upon appointment and end July 31st, 2023. The appointment will be made at the April 5th meeting. Megan, before you go forward, just a couple of comments. First of all, I just want to publicly thank my friend David Housel, who is, uh, he is not seeking a second term on the Library Board, and I appreciate David's interest and desire. He's done so much for this community for so many years and been willing to serve on our Library Board. Uh, uh, was very uh, appropriate for him and his certainly his interest, and I just want to thank him for that. On the Board of Education, um, we, you and I had also worked through some timetables on that potentially uh, this week. Uh, the applications for that will also go live tonight and will be live for approximately a full month, right? Right, and when we say tonight, we'll clarify that's yes, midnight. Yes, midnight, so, excuse me. Yeah, if apologize. you're still up, then apply at 12.01 a.m., that'd <laughs> yes. be great. Um, and then potentially the the appointment of that is April 19th, so the interviews for that would be potentially a week before that. Uh, we'll be finalizing that at this time. This is the uh, appointment to fill the um, um, Mr. Charles Smith. Uh, will be He's done two full terms on the school board. Uh, he is currently the chair chairman of the school board, and he's done an outstanding job. He's also served on the Planning Commission, the Parks and Rec Advisory Board. He's just been an absolute great citizen in Auburn for many, many years. and. I'm sure there'll be time to thank Charles, but I just want to say tonight, thank you, Charles, for all your great efforts on that. We'll get together and formalize these dates on all the interviews uh, in particular so the community understands when those times will come because they'll be open for the public. All right? Okay. Just wanted to stop on that. Any other questions for Ms. Crouch regarding any of those? All right. Consent agenda. Hey, as usual, our first item of business is the consent agenda. Does any council member wish to remove an item from the consent agenda and deal with that item individually? Anyone? Yes, I'd like to remove item 8B, 8 Bravo, please. Okay, anyone else? Uh, item 8D2, D as in dog, 2. 8D2, okay. 8D2, anyone else? Okay, Ms. Crouch, we'll start with 8B. <clears throat> All right, item 8B is a concurrence with the Industrial Development Board to partner with Sabre Finance to in establish an SBA loan fund with the location of a certified community development financial institution in order to make funding more accessible for minority-owned businesses and startups. Move for approval. Second. second. I have a motion to second. Mr. Griswold. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'd just like a, a brief explanation for the public on what the benefits to Auburn is for creation of this uh, CD, CDFI and also uh, a brief explanation of uh, how it will be funded. 
All right, so what I'm going to do, and we'll go backwards, I'll go to the funding piece first, and then I have uh, Leslie Chambers here from our Economic Development Department and a number of uh, our staff members. She's the financial manager. Um, they are with a prospect this evening. That's why you do not see the department head or deputy director this evening, but Leslie's more than capable. Um, the, the funding for this, what ultimately Sabre Finance is, is doing is this is these are high-risk loans, and so this is seed money of $75,000 from the Industrial Development Board resources and another $75,000 from repaid urban development action grants. Those funds have been around um, since before Philip Dunlap arrived in the early 80s. He worked as a consultant with the city to bring those to the city, and the likes of the hotel at Auburn University were built with bonds and those funds to, to apartment complexes, to affordable houses all over the city. Um, the city chose in the 80s to restrict the use of those funds to economic development-related projects, and they're pretty well identified in your resolution where it talks economic development activities that it's eligible for, and we've often used this for loan funds. We we do not currently have, but we used to have a revolving loan fund that helped assist small businesses. So the goal with this is to provide another tool in the toolbox um, to really assist businesses that are high risk. So I'm going to have Leslie Chambers explain a little bit more about it. We're very excited about this project. Um, we think it's we're really getting into the to startup space, and we're also trying to help small businesses where there's a gap in financing that hasn't really been filled by a lot of other needs. Leslie. Thank you. Um so Sabre Finance is a CDFI out of Birmingham. Um, they've partnered long since with um, Innovation Depot um, and getting their start with, with startups. And uh, there's a long-standing relationship between commercial, or sorry, community development, financial institutions, and startups. Um, there's a gap with higher risk loans that traditional lenders just can't reach. It's either the loan is too small to make or the interest rates would just be too high and it's not a bankable deal. Um, so the CDFI process, our lender comes in and, and they're able to bridge, bridge that gap. And what's great about Sabre Finance is they're not just providing financial assistance, but they also have technical assistance programs that they can offer to startups and um, mid-stage businesses in the, the Auburn area as well. Um, one of the great things that they, they offer um, is a focus on social responsibility and inclusion for minority-owned businesses, whether that's um, uh, an African-American-owned business or a, a woman-owned business or even a, a veteran-owned business, they have a, a special um, just pride in, in their work to provide these opportunities for these businesses. And it's access to funding without bias. And I think that's a huge um, piece of the uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem that we, we can fill for our businesses in, in the Auburn area. Uh, Sabre Finance is a nonprofit lender, so every dime of interest that's raised off of the loans that they make would be recycled back into their fund and, and continue to make more loans throughout the life of, of their program here. So their focus is on the success of the business that they invest in, not the success of their investment. And this 150000 could leverage up to? Up to $1 million in SBA funds to be used in the Auburn, East Alabama area. Yeah, 100% of them aren't necessarily captured in Auburn, and there, you know, we had a long talk with Sabre about this. But what we wanted to be sure we were doing is getting this going as we get into this space and are identified gaps for years. And a lot of you are very familiar with SBA loans and what they involve. We're looking to play in a space that a traditional lender would not, so that we can meet the needs of the very 
um, different groups that Leslie described. So that we're offering a full menu of options to try to help people in business. And the, the counseling piece and assist with startups is also a big deal. And that's a no charge situation. So the industrial board I attended their meeting about this felt very strongly. This is a little bit outside of, of their realm, but they also feel that it is very responsible. This is money they've earned from lease incomes and other things, but they wanted to put their own money toward it as well because they think it's important for businesses in the community. Would this be a political process that would go before the board like we did with the COVID-related loans where we would vote on each approval? No. 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 All, all lending would be handled by Sabre Finance. We get into a space that um, we we don't really need to necessarily be in if we're yeah, This is just a loss reserve. Loans. This yes. is purely a loss reserve, and yes, it's at risk. I mean, is the city underwriting any of the loans? No, no. we're not involved at all. It's very arm's length, and it's it's why this is a concurrence. The way the industrial development board works when they take a major action such as this, a resolution in 1994 um, required some concurrence of the council. So the reason that you're seeing this is um, the concurrence with their actions of doing so. So you had general awareness, but in no way, shape or form is the city or the industrial board liable. But this lost reserve money, yes, is at risk. There is no question. Um, but the only way to get this going, we Sabre is in Birmingham, Bessemer area, and so on. We have a long track record with some of the folks that are involved with Sabre. They're also involved with Council of Governments and other things up in the Birmingham area and are very excited to enter this market and try to help some folks. So this, this, this is a business loan? Business loan. Only? Only. Okay. I thought I heard something about affordable housing. Maybe I was listening to something else. No, I said is some repaid urban development action grant funds we, we've used what we call UDAG money over the years for a number of things where we, we did loans and we still have some second mortgages out there from homes built in Shelton Park many years ago um, that become, you know, due and payable at some point in time. And that money goes into fund and we recycle it back out. We've used it for other affordable housing. We've used it to help businesses. We've done a lot with it. But um, we call it a revolving loan because we do like to get our money back so we can use it for other projects eventually. Any other questions or comments from the council? Could you explain again, what is the Urban Development Action Grant paybacks? What is uh, the UDAG pay paybacks? That's what, what I was just speaking of. Yeah. This is money that we got from the federal government in the 80s. Okay. Um, and they granted money, and it built things like the hotel at Auburn University. It helped with Magnolia Plaza construction. It helped with Shelton Park, uh, Lakeside, I think it's Lakewood Commons. It Not Lakewood Commons, it's on on Gatewood, one of the apartment complexes there. It's done Rose Garden Apartments. It's done, it's done a number of projects in Auburn over the years from the 80s to present, but there have been times that money was invested. It's federal money. Most cities spent that money, gave it to somebody, granted it, and didn't recycle it. The city of Auburn loaned it over the years through, through a program, and when that money got paid back, we recycled it to another project. So what we're doing is we're taking some payback money. Mainly our main source of income comes from long ago Shelton Park um, subdivision, second mortgage is where we did an affordable housing program. Money comes into the fund, and so we're using $75,000 of that to spend here. It is restricted by a resolution of the council in the 80s to be only used for economic development purposes. Okay, Thank you. Good. Anyone else? It's very exciting, Leslie. Thank you for your good work on this, and we look forward to seeing some people in our community receive this help. All right, we've got a motion and a second. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries.
Right. Item 8D2 is a request from the North Auburn Housing Development Corporation um, for the city to execute a statutory warranty deed to convey lots 6 and 7 of the Tucker Heights subdivision. Move for approval. Second. I have a motion and a second. Ms. Fitch. Okay. Uh, the only thing I was just going to do is just to get an understanding for the pro you know, this process, this particular process. The process of, of transferring the lots to North Auburn Housing Development Corporation from the city. I'll have Mr. Davis respond. This is we've done this before, and it's it's continuing, Mr. Davis. Yes, we have. Uh, the city partners with the North Auburn Housing Development Corporation to to build affordable houses. Uh, we are now at a point with the Tucker Heights subdivision, which is at the corner of Bird and Tucker. Uh, the North Auburn Housing Development Corporation is now ready to to start building some additional houses. We conveyed, uh, the council conveyed uh, last year, uh, lot five, which is where the house is currently under construction. North Auburn is actually beginning to work on constructing that home. We are asking, uh, North Auburn is asking that you convey uh, the lot six and seven, which is right next to lot five on Tucker Avenue, because they're also ready to begin to build those two houses. So all three of the houses should be under construction at the same time. Uh, we do have prospective homeowners. They are already been, uh, they are already selected. They are already qualified. They're just waiting for their homes to be built. So that's one reason we're asking to go ahead and convey these lots. Uh, we expect after these uh, three homes are built that we'll be ready to build the other three on on Bird Street. We have homeowners, uh, prospective buyers prepared for those houses. So we don't expect to stop. North Auburn doesn't expect to stop building once they get going. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Any other questions? Great news, Al. Great news. All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Do I have a motion to approve the balance of the consent agenda? So moved. Second. I have a motion and a second to approve the consent agenda. Any other follow-up questions? All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? And the consent agenda carries forth. Ordinances. Mayor, under ordinances this evening, item 9A is a request from Everett and Mary Ann Williamson to annex approximately three acres of property located on the east side of Society Hill Road, approximately 0.2 miles north of Pierce Chapel Road. The Planning Commission unanimously recommended approval at its February 10th meeting. Unanimous consent is necessary. I'll introduce. Unanimous consent. Second. I have a motion and seconds. Anyone on the council have a problem moving forward with a vote on this this evening? Seeing and hearing none, any questions or comments? Okay, Lindsay with the roll call. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Parsons. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Taylor. Yes. Witten. Yes. Yes. Under resolutions, item 10A1 is the fixing of costs for mowing grass and abating weeds at 937 Allen Avenue. The cost will be assessed to the property in the form of a lien and added to the ad valorem tax bill by the revenue commissioner. A public hearing is required. Move to approve. Second. I have a motion and a second. At this time, we'll open the public hearing. If you'd like to address City Council, please come forward and give us your name and address for the record. Seeing no one, we'll close the public hearing. Any comments or questions from the Council? All right. I have a motion and a second. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Item 10A2 is the fixing of costs for mowing grass and abating weeds at 515 Bird Street. The cost will be assessed to the property in the form of a lien and added to the ad valorem tax bill by the Revenue Commissioner. A public hearing is required. Move for approval. Second. 
We have a motion and a second. At this time, we'll open the public hearing. If you'd like to address the council, please come forward and give us your name and address for the record. See no one. We'll close the public hearing. Any comments or questions from the council? Are these vacant lots? They don't. They don't appear to be odd. Mr. Cummings, speak to that. There's structures on both of them, and this is not, you know, I think if there's any confusion, we make multiple attempts to get this done, and you'll see the dollar amounts are relatively low, um, but it's also a, a necessary process. Yes, neither, neither one are vacant lots. But nobody lives. I don't think so. Hope not. Not on okay. bird. Okay. I'm looking at it. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew that the structures, I, I was wondering, I thought you meant if the houses were vacant. Yes, there's structures in both. Um, and again, this is usually a last resort, um, but but necessary to, to, to take care. We do deal with a lot of dilapidated structures and other things all over the city. All right, any other questions? Well, I just got uh, one other question because, now, now how do you go about doing this? Because um, there's, a, there's a lot on... William Street, where I live at, and it's always grown up and stuff. So, I mean, when do you make the decision to actually clean these lights off after you have? Um... So there, there's a whole memo in your your packets that outlines the whole process. So it's complaint driven. So it starts with a complaint from a citizen or neighbor, and a lot of times our neighborhood inspectors are also driving around looking for this, and then we follow a very lengthy process where we try to give the property owner plenty of notice to take care of it. We try to work with them, but if we continue to get no response or no action, there's a whole series of steps that we must follow by law. Um, and this is outlined in state code, and we follow that procedure, and then eventually we end up mowing it ourselves. And not, not the city. We actually have to hire it done. And we pay for it, and then we put a lien on the property. Okay. Any other questions? <clears throat> All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Mayor, those are all the items of business we have for you this evening. Okay. This time we'll open the Citizens Open Forum. If you'd like to address City Council about anything on your mind, please step forward and give us your name and address for the record. And remember to please designate your comments towards the Council. My name is Bishop. Hey, uh, Dardell, I live at 618 Howard Street, Auburn, Alabama. I come before this council. I served on the city council for almost 20 years myself. I come tonight with a deep concern. In 1994, we met with the Mayor Dempsey in Montgomery, Alabama. And at that time when we met, we used to have double members wards. And most of you know that we had ward uh, one place, one place two. And at that time, our ward, we could never elect under that archaic system uh, candidate of our choice. So we met with the mayor, and what we did, what we met in Montgomery, we changed it. And for the first time in, in 1990, 
four, we were able to elect a candidate of our choice. And from that time, we've done so. But I'm deeply disturbed with what I see in Auburn. If you look at Ward 1, the mayor and I, we had conversations about this. Auburn is not the same ward that we used to have. The students, now when I served on the city council, what happened to the 2025 plan where we discussed that West Glen would become university services? And when we annexed in the year 2025 plan, we would go toward Los Chipotle and begin to annex there. But look what happened in our district now. Look what's going on over on uh, Judd Street or over by Church of God by Faith. And you see that Dick Starr started putting inner Glenfield over in that land. And nobody probably didn't say anything about it. We got to be concerned about what they're building over there, those $250,000 homes in an inner landfill where Jimmy Wade petitioned the, govern the government and asked that they would put beams under the ground, and now they're digging it up. And if you look at it, you see all of this stuff, and I wish I had more time. But you see, all this stuff that's going on, I am deeply concerned about what's happening in Northwest Auburn. And I come to tell you that we need to be concerned also. It's not the same place. The mayor and I have talked about it. Thank you. <clears throat> Anyone else? Okay. Is there a move to adjourn? So moved. We're adjourned. <laughs>